Good morning, church. My name is Peter. I'm one of the pastors here. And can we take a moment as we start today uh, just to pray for Pastor Todd. He was intending to preach uh, this morning to you, but he came down with a fever and with chills. And so uh, he's not able to be with us this morning. But can we just, as a church, can we just lift up our pastor in prayer right now? Father God, we just thank you for Pastor Todd. We thank you that he is our pastor. And God, we just pray that right now, God, your hand of healing would just touch his body. God, that you would just give him energy. You would just restore him. God, that you would heal him completely. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, wasn't it good to hear from the kids today, to see them do their actions, sing their songs, uh, to watch that uh, funny video? And, and as you can see, our series is all about a gift that is fit for a king. And I want us uh, just to begin by reading our passage of scripture for this series. It's found in Matthew chapter 2. And I'm just going to read just a couple verses of it as we just saw that recap of uh, the event. But in verse 9 to 11, it says, After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, each of us has probably received some gifts that were very practical, and we've also received some gifts that were significant. And sometimes those practical gifts are not significant, and the significant gifts aren't very practical. Uh, my wife is named Crystal, and at our wedding, one of her friends gave her a beautiful crystal bowl. And she gave a very nice speech describing how the qualities of this crystal bowl uh, lined up with the qualities of the person crystal. Uh, that bowl was not an overly practical gift, uh, but it was a very significant gift. It just sits on a shelf uh, in our house, and we look at it every once in a while, uh, but we're not using it all the time. And we see that the wise men, when they came and gave gifts to Jesus, they were giving gifts that had great significance to them. Uh, they weren't necessarily just practical gifts. Uh, they didn't come with diapers and a stroller and things that if you were a new parent that you would be able to put to use in the same way. I'm sure they were happy about the gold, but the frankincense and the myrrh, these are gifts of significance, all three of them. And that's what we're doing in this series is we're taking each Sunday as we lead up to Christmas and we're examining what is the significance of the gifts that these wise men, these magi, presented to Jesus. And last Sunday, Pastor Todd, he shared a great message with us on the gift of gold and how we can live a life of purity. And today I want us to examine the gift of frankincense. So we're going to consider this together. Now, when I was a kid, uh, I snuck down into the basement, and we had a bunch of stuff that was piled up in boxes, and I dug through one of those boxes, and I found a great treasure. I found my dad's old cologne, and it was a, a beautiful, golden uh, color 
for this Stetson cologne. Stetson, the cologne of the West. Uh, it had a cowboy uh, on the jar, and I just thought it was amazing. Now, I didn't know anything about cologne or how you're supposed to properly apply cologne, uh, but I doused myself in Stetson and I strutted up the stairs as a cowboy. I thought I just smelled amazing. And of course, my parents, they could tell immediately uh, because uh, I later found out cologne, they say it has about like three years after you have cologne, and then it starts to change a little bit. And what I didn't know was that this cologne had been sitting in a box for decades. My dad had no memory of it. It wasn't a cologne that he bought. He didn't know how it even got there. And so I had doused myself in cologne, Stetson. But it had changed. It, the smell was not quite, I smelled like a different kind of cowboy. Uh, it, was, it was not what I was anticipating. I want us to consider today, what do you smell like? What is the fragrance of your life? What is the aroma of your heart? What do you smell like? I think we've all been around people where we enjoy their company. We think they're great. They're always encouraging us. They just seem like the kind of people we like to be around. You know, I grew up in church, and I remember as a kid coming to church, I loved coming to church and just walking through the lobby and seeing all these different people. You know, they would have mints in their pockets or their jackets that they would give out. They were always so encouraging, always so warm and kind and loving, the kind of people that you just want to be around. It's like they have an aroma, a fragrance that they're producing, something that's enticing, something that makes you want to be around them, want to talk to them, want more of what they have. What is the aroma, the fragrance of your heart, of your life? When I, uh, before I was a pastor, uh, as a young adult, I had a job as a window washer and I had two bosses. One of my bosses was a Christian, and one of my bosses was very far from God, didn't care about God at all. But the amazing thing to me was that the boss I had who was a Christian, uh, he was grumpy, he was cheap, he was not somebody that I liked to work with at all. And yet, the guy who was far from God he was generous and he was kind and I liked working with him a lot more. And I started to put together, oh, what, this is interesting to me. I was paying attention to this idea, this reality that we see that sometimes the aroma, the fragrance that people put out doesn't necessarily match up with what they say. Does it pass the smell test, we could say? We all know people who stink. There are people who their outlook, their attitude, it stinks. You know, you can go have a shower, you can put your clothes in the laundry, but what do you do about your heart? What do you do about your attitude, your perspective, your outlook on life? We all know that feeling of the people that we don't really want to be around, to have that long conversation with, to hang out with, because something just stinks. 
What is the aroma, the fragrance of your heart? As we look at the gift of frankincense today, frankincense is all about smell. Frankincense is a valuable resin, uh, and it has a particular odor to it. It was very valuable. Frankincense is considered, uh, especially in Bible times, the purest form of incense. Had a lot of value to it. It was a significant gift that the wise men gave. And so frankincense, it's used in perfumes. It's also used in medicines. But the primary purpose of frankincense that we see in the Bible is that it was one of the primary components of the holy incense that God instructed Moses to create. We're actually going to look at it. It's in Exodus chapter 30, verse 34, where this is what God says. It says, the Lord said to Moses, gather fragrant spices, resin droplets, mollusk shell, galbanum, And mix these fragrant spices with pure frankincense, weighed out in equal amounts. When uh, when frankincense was used by the priests, it wasn't as a perfume. It wasn't spritzed around for its smell. But the purpose of frankincense was that it was burned on the altar. It was part of the grain or the cereal offerings that they would put the frankincense on. They'd sprinkle it on. And so the purpose of frankincense was to be burned. And I want us to consider what does our heart, what sort of fragrance or aroma are we putting out? And then consider what do you smell like when the heat is on? What do you smell like when you're faced with the fire, when there's stress or when there's pressure? Do we find ourselves getting a little more grumpy, a little more edgy, a little more sharp? What is the fragrance of our heart? And then what is the fragrance of our heart when we're faced with the fire? Because with frankincense, it had an odor to it. But when you put it on the fire, it became more potent. It became stronger. It was more impactful. The smell of the frankincense as it burned, it overpowered the other smells. And so you'd put it with the grain offering because if you can imagine the smell of burnt toast or burnt grain as it's just, it gets everywhere. It's so powerful. But the, the frankincense being put on top, it overpowered. It was so powerful when you burn it that in the ancient world, if they were cremating someone, then they would burn some frankincense because then you would smell the power, the frankincense. It had a a purity to it. It would purify the air. And I want us to consider today the fragrance of our heart, the fragrance that we are producing, and then what that fragrance, that aroma that attractability that we might have or not have, and what happens when we're faced with difficult times, with the fire, with the heat, when the heat is on, when the pressure is on, how do we respond? How does that change the fragrance that we are producing? Frankincense improves when it's burned. Are you better when you're burning? What if we could be like frankincense? What if it, 
it was possible for us that when you were facing the fire, when things were challenging, when things were difficult, that your potency actually improved, that you had more love and more joy and more peace when you're faced with the fire, when there's the stress and the pressures and the heat of life. What if we could be better when we're burning? How do we do this? I want to give us two things to examine today connected to frankincense and how we can be these types of people where we can be better when we're burning, better when the heat is on, when the pressure is on, when things are challenging to create a sweeter aroma in our life, in our attitudes. So how do we do this? I want to give you two keys to doing this. The first one is worship. Worship. Frankincense is for worship. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 and 2, the Apostle Paul writes to the Ephesian church and he says, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Jesus is our example. He gave himself as a sacrifice for us. He died on the cross for us. And we are to follow in his example. He produced a pleasing aroma to God. When we look at the life of Jesus, when we look at his character, when we look at his attitudes, we see that people were attracted to him. People wanted to be around him. Kids wanted to be around him. People who were far from God were attracted. They wanted what he had. He was producing a pleasing aroma in his life, in his attitude, where people were drawn to him. And yet, In his death, he also produces this pleasing aroma to God. He lived a life of obedience to his father and even to the point of dying on the cross. And Jesus is our example. When we look at frankincense, frankincense is for worship. It was used as part of the sacrifices and the sacrificial system. It was how they worshiped God. They brought their sacrifices and they burned them. They sprinkled them with frankincense. Frankincense was for worship. And Jesus produced a pleasing aroma to the Lord through his sacrifice. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul writes to the Roman church and he says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Paul urges the church that we are to give our bodies to God, to become living and holy sacrifices. We are to be a living sacrifice. That means we choose to put ourselves on the altar. We present ourselves as a sacrifice. When you're a living sacrifice, you could get on and you could get off. But we choose to live a life of sacrifice 
following in the example of Jesus, that this is acceptable to God. This is like the pleasing aroma that Jesus produced. And in our lives, we're following in his footsteps, following in his example when we embrace a life of sacrifice. It's part of our worship. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15, it talks about a continual sacrifice of praise to God. Frankincense is for worship, and we live a life of worship. It's beyond just our time gathered together and singing, but it's a continual sacrifice of praise, of worship to God, that we are a living sacrifice. Frankincense is for worship. How do we do this? How do we get better when the fire, the heat is on? First, it's that we recognize that we are living sacrifices. And so we're not shocked or surprised when there is heat, when there is pressure. We put ourselves on the altar. We say, God, what would you do with me? I am a sacrifice, a living sacrifice for you. The second key for how do we do this, how can we be better when we're burning, is that we see that frankincense is for worship. We are for worship. The second is prayer. Frankincense is for prayer. What kind of a gift is frankincense? Gold is a gift that you give, in, in our culture now, you'd give gold to someone you love. I gave my wife a gold ring. I give her a gold necklace or gold earrings. I give gold to those I love. Gold is a gift fit for a king. Gold would be something that you would owe to a king, like paying taxes, giving what is owed. Gold is fit for a king, but frankincense is a fitting gift for a priest. The priests used the frankincense. If you had extra frankincense, go and give it to the priests in a sacrificial system because they could make use of it. They're going to use it on the altar. They're going to sprinkle it on the grain offering. So to give the gift, when the magi, when the wise men, they came, they recognized Jesus as a king and gave gold, and they recognized him as a priest, and they gave frankincense. As we looked at in Exodus chapter 30, frankincense is part of the holy incense that was created. And whenever we see in the Bible, uh, it tells in Exodus 30 that that was the only incense that was to be burned on the altar. The specific recipe, following God's instructions. And so throughout the Bible, when we see the offering of incense, when it's talking about incense, we can connect it to frankincense. And even if we look at just the word frankincense, it's got incense right in there, right? It comes from the French talking about a pure incense. And when we look at the Bible, we see a connection between incense and prayer. And so before the birth of John the Baptist, they're burning incense at the temple and the people are gathered together in prayer. In the book of Revelation in chapter 8, I'll read it to you, verse 3 and 4. It says, Then another angel with a gold incense burner came and stood at the altar, and a great amount of incense was given to him to mix with the prayers of God's people as an offering 
on the gold altar before the throne. The smoke of the incense mixed with the prayers of God's holy people ascended up to God from the altar where the angel had poured them out. So there's a connection between incense and prayer. Here, incense and prayer, it's being mixed together. It's creating a smoke that is going up to God. A pleasing and beautiful aroma. The prayers of his people mixed with the incense. And if we want to be people who get better when the heat is on, then we need to respond with prayer and with worship. That when we're faced with trials, when we're faced with difficulty, when we're facing stress and pressure, when we're feeling the fire, what is our response? Frankincense, you put it on the fire and it releases a more potent aroma, smell. It's more powerful. We can respond to the heat and the fire with prayer, with worship. Where do we turn when we're feeling the fire? I know for myself, we've been uh, studying as a staff, looking at our strengths. What are our strengths? Individually, the uniquenesses of our team and, and what makes us who we are. And one of the strengths that I have in myself is adaptability. The ability to adapt. It drives my wife crazy because I can throw out all our plans and change everything at the last minute. And I'm fine. I, I like adapting. I like making everything different. My wife does not appreciate that. And so when the heat is on, I can find myself going to a place of, I'm just going to figure it out. We just got to adapt. We just got to make a new plan, throw out the old plan. I'll come up with a plan. It doesn't matter. I don't know what we're doing in half an hour, but I'm going to figure it out, and we'll be fine. Everything's going to be good. And when the heat is on, I can see myself just trying to come up with my own solutions. Oh, we'll just go around this way, and we'll do it this way, and this, this can work this way. Instead of stopping and praying and worshiping, what is the response inside of ourselves when the heat is on, when the fire comes, when the pressure is on? How do we respond? Do we respond with prayer and with worship? In the Old Testament, there's a great example for us to follow. It's the example of David. When we look at David, one of the ancient kings of Israel, we can see that he faced a lot of fire. He faced a lot of pressure, a lot of stress, a lot of difficulties and challenges, a lot of heat. Before he was king, there was a lot of heat that came his way from the current king, from bad government, from his enemies. Then there's all the heat that was produced from his own mistakes, his sin, his failure, heat and pressure and stress that came as a result of God's judgment on his life for the things that he had done. There was heat that came from his own children. But every time the heat was on, David turned to prayer and to worship. In Psalm 141, verse 1 and 2, it's a psalm of David, and it says, O Lord, I am calling to you. Please hurry. Listen when I cry to you for help. Accept my prayer as incense 
offered to you and my upraised hands as an evening offering. Right now we're all facing some heat, some pressure, some stress. It would be easy for us to get grumpy, to get sharp, to get edgy. All of us here, we could do a great job of coming up with excuses and reasons for why our attitudes are the way that they are, or our outlook is the way that it is, our perspective. We could all come up with great reasons, great excuses. But when the pressure comes, when the heat comes, can we be those like David, whether it's because of the mistakes we've made, because of the sins that we've committed, because of the, the challenges that we've created for ourselves or whether we're being treated unjustly or things are wrong or challenging, whatever the reasons may be, can we be those people that when the heat comes, when the pressure is on, when the stress is there, that we respond with praise and prayer, with worshiping God, with looking to him, with communication to him, of seeking him out. Can we have the same response as David to cry out and look to God to help us instead of relying on our own abilities and our own strengths and our own solutions? Can we be those who are quick to go to him? It says in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16. Because frankincense is a gift that is fit for a priest. The magi, the wise men, they brought it to Jesus in recognition that he was not just a king, but that he was a priest. And he is our high priest. Hebrews 4, verse 14, it says, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. A priest is how we talk to God. If you're a prophet, God gives you a word and then he would speak to the people through the prophet. But the priest spoke to God on behalf of the people. And Jesus is our high priest. He's our example. He made a way for us to go to the throne of God, to walk boldly to the throne, to get the grace and the mercy that we need. And so can we be those who when the heat is on, when the fire comes, we go to the throne of God. We go because of Jesus. We follow in his example. We live a life of worship, continual sacrifice of worship, a continual sacrifice on the altar, our living sacrifice. Can we be those who respond in prayer to him? So I want to give us an opportunity today to respond because I know there are people here and you are facing the heat. You're feeling the fire. How will you respond today? How can we be those who are better when we're burning, better when the heat is on, that we experience more love and more peace and more joy in our lives when things seem like they are so challenging and difficult?
Can we be those who respond in worship to God and in prayer to him, boldly going to his throne to get the help that we need? If that's you today, would we, could we all just close our eyes? Maybe you could need, maybe you need some help in this area in your life. Maybe you're feeling the fire right now. Maybe you see that tendency inside of yourself to find your own solution, to do things your own way. Can we be those who today would humble ourselves and say, God, hear my cry. God, help me. If that's you today, would you just slip up your hand just before God and say, that's me, God. God, I need your help today. God, help me to respond rightly. I'm feeling the fire. I'm feeling the heat. God, I need your help. God, help me to respond with worship. Help me to respond in prayer to you. One of the things that I think is so important for us is that we pray. We can Sometimes we can ask for prayer. We need to be those who pray ourselves. And so I want to pray even right now a prayer of agreement where I am agreeing with the prayers that you are praying. That you pray, you ask, you go to the throne. You go before God and say, God, this is what I need. God, do you hear me? Hear my cry. Hear my prayer. And even right now as a church, can we agree with you? We agree with the prayers that are being prayed. Even right now, God, those who are asking you, God, those who are coming before your throne, presenting their petitions, right now we pray in agreement with them. We say, yes, Lord, would you hear their prayers, answer their prayers. God, would you help them to pray and cry out to you? And we agree with them. We agree with those prayers. We pray in agreement with them, in unity. God, yes, Lord, that you would do a good work inside of each and every one of us. And God, may we be those who respond in worship to you. God, may our prayers, our worship, this life of continual praise be presented to you beyond these four walls in every part of our life, to live that life of worship, of recognizing that you are God. And so we look to you and we worship you, God. We set our eyes on you. We recognize that you are our help and we need you today. We pray these things in your name, Jesus.